Rewriting your own narrative and midlife crisis both really can be fun. This is what author Eva Creel is sharing with us today on the Power to Pivot podcast. Eva is the author of the action-packed fantasy The Immortal, which is now available on Amazon, and she and I sit down to chat about becoming an author, the awkwardness of writing that first love scene, and accepting that not every reader is your reader. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Power to Pivot podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miles, founder of March 4th Media Company, and this is the podcast where we share inspiring stories, resources, tips, and fun ideas to help you pivot to new ideas, new goals, and new dreams for your life. I'm so excited and honored to have you join me on the journey, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Power to Pivot podcast. Today's episode is all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. We are and talking- And midlife crisis! And midlife crisis. <laughs> um, I am talking with Eva Creel, the author of the book, The Immortal. Eva, how are you? I am doing good, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me on the show today. Oh, looking forward oh. to shouting back at you every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, please do. <laughs> um, I am so excited. Your book, um, it's a, like you said, midlife crisis. Um, you know, this woman's in her 40s. You know, she's going on a journey. Tell us a little bit about what we can find in The Immortal. Oh, well, so it's mature content. It has all of the things mentioned above, as well as some rather good looking vikings you're welcome a little <laughs> bit of mass murder it's just a sprinkling of smut it's nothing too engrossing it's rather vanilla but it has to be in there because it's important to the story and it's fun let's be honest so emma just turned 40 and i'm about to turn 42 and i wonder if that's a coincidence she has lived her whole life serving others and finally she decides she's going to take all of her vacation time and do something big for herself that big thing was booking a spontaneous vacation to a french polynesian island so far so good she enjoys the best week of her life fireworks show and all of a sudden she finds herself stuck in a mass murder Ooh. Mm. she survives with her wit and with a little luck and it kind of goes on from there into the adventure of finding herself and discovering that maybe waiting around for someone to rescue her isn't the best plan or goal in life anymore at 40. Ooh, I like that um that is such a a powerful message within the story. Um, is that something like, how did you come up with the idea? How did the story unfold in terms of the writing process for you? It began as a really bad dream. I do oh. very vividly. <laughs> and so I was in the middle of a mass murder and I took sanctuary in a library. When I looked at the library shelves, it was a personal library, and there was a man sitting there, and he wasn't at all concerned about what was going on, which made me believe that he was in on it. And I looked at the books, and I realized that they were all the same story written over and over again, but in different languages. And I just grabbed a book because it was something to do, 
And I was trying to buy myself time to think about what I should do next to get out of the situation. And the book was written in Portuguese. And he just kind of humored me and said, yeah, okay, tell me what you think. And then there was some stabbings and jumping out of windows and running. And then when I woke up, I thought, who was he? And then I let my daydream take over. And I realized, you know, he's immortal. That means what lives has he lived up until now? How old is he? And I decided to make him a Viking. And in history, uh, Ivar the Boneless and Bjorn Ironside, they were brothers and they were both called immortal. And I thought, well, what if they really are? So the story just kind of kept going from there. I kept filling out things of what they should do and who they should have been. And there's little history bombs in there. And I started believing my own story after a while, my own BS that I was spewing out onto the pages because it felt so genuine and it felt like it could have really happened. So was this sort of a, like a happy accident that you fell into the, the writing of the book? Like you weren't expecting to be an author. It just kind of fell out of exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. I tripped over being a writer late, I guess in the middle of last year. That's... I'm vocationally a photographer. <laughs> the lazy version of a storyteller. <laughs> no, the, not at all. Hey, I, it's funny you say that. I, I don't take to the camera like I I try really hard compositionally to to get it right but when I try it just doesn't seem to work for me so maybe you can give me a tip or two <laughs> about... oh honey it's all photoshop it's all fake <laughs> it's about editing and filters and actions you can only do so much with the tool you have in front of you and if your if your picture tells a story it's forgiving if it's not perfect mm -hmm. so i i think it's interesting right like you can definitely tell a great story with a photo like you can capture a lot mm -hmm. um so was it a a challenge for you to make that switch into writing because honestly i'm the opposite right like i said i i struggle with the composition of a photograph um but when i sit down to write it's like the pen and I are just like friends. Um, so how was that for you? Did you find yourself like struggling through the process? Like, was it hard or, or did you feel like it was easy? I was surprised how easy it was for me since I'd never written anything in my life before. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of vomited out of me. I had no idea. And I don't even, I read my book now and I don't even remember writing it. It was really something took over in me and just needed to come out and it did. And I listened to Neil Gaiman's masterclass, his commercial every day before I started writing. And I didn't pay for the masterclass, but the commercial was so inspiring. I just listened to that on repeat. And he would say, there are no rules. And writing is like driving through the fog. And I was like, yes, it is, it is. <laughs> I drink a glass of water and I just start typing it out when, as long as my kids let me. And then, you know, that would be kind of short lived every day. But I did make it a, a habit to write every day, a goal to write every day, a rule. It was a rule. It wasn't a goal. It was, I will oh, write every day. I love that. It, there's mm. a difference there in the wording 
and the feeling and the energy behind that. It's not just a, I aspire to do it. It's like, no, this is happening. It, and that's it. Imagine if you said, oh, my goal is to brush my teeth today. <laughs> right. <laughs> my goal is to feed the kids today. My goal is to change the diet. No, it's a rule. You have time if you make it important. And that's what I did. I made it important. I love it. I think that that's key, right? We all, not all of us, but many of us, you know, may aspire to share a story or, or, or write. And it's not easy. Um, it's not, it doesn't have to be hard, but it's a process and, and it takes time and mastery and it can get overwhelming. I think if we don't make those rules for ourselves, if it, it is in fact something that we want to get published um what was that that editing and publishing process like for you so I'm actually dyslexic and I hired a professional editor mm -hmm. because I knew that my brain wasn't going to see things the way it should be and it was really hard finding an editor at the at the beginning because I wasn't looking in the right direction I went and I was looking for editors that were maybe a little bit above my <laughs> above my pay grade <laughs> maybe and many of them they just flat out said no you need to self-edit more and we won't work with you oh, and that wow. is when all my insecurities came back I had this manuscript I was proud of it I knew it was a good story but I needed help because I had gone as far as I can. I didn't have higher education in literature and this was as far as I could go. I didn't even know, I, I thought I knew what commas went, but I was uh, mistaken most of the time. Apparently Grammarly is not 100% correct. <laughs> ah, I'm so glad you mentioned this. You are correct. It is not. And that is a key no, no, no disrespect to Grammarly. Um, at all, because I think it's a great tool. However, you, you, yes, I agree with you. There can right. still My be some glitches. My grandma said it was a hundred percent, and then I finally found an editor through a women's writing group, and she goes, "Oh, well, <laughs> he sends me back this thing like with red lines everywhere." And I'm all, oh man, yikes! <laughs> so, human editors absolutely is a must. I mean, I think there's something to be said about getting uh, other eyeballs I, you know even if the grammar is 100 percent perfect and, and you got great sentence structure like i think just having another set of eyeballs on that story making sure that it reads the way you as the author want it to be conveyed you know you there's um it can get lost in translation i think and i found this with the first edits of my books you know what did I want to say? And did I actually say it? Um, yes. And the power of making a word italic. I had no idea mm, how yeah. powerful it can be just by changing a little bit of a font and how it changes the narrative and makes it more impactful. Like her sandals slapped against the hallway, slapped with italics, makes it more of a, you know, it's yeah, it's the word itself has power, but once you can add that additional level to it with the font or even the sizing, if that's a possibility or a spacing, it it changes 
what you're trying to say. And it, it's interesting that we're talking about this now. I had a conversation on uh, another episode um, where we were talking about comic books and how you can, um, you know, convey the meaning through picture, very few words, but the picture, man, you got to nail that. And I, I just think this kind of goes hand in hand, like what we're writing has so much power um, and to bring it back just in terms of the editing, having that other set of eyeballs on it is, is helpful, I think, no matter how perfect the grammar is. Right. And even, I mean, she improved the story immensely. She was worth every penny. And then having her set of, you know, looking over it. And then I also hired a professional formatter and my formatter caught a few more things than along the way too, when she read through the story. So that was then another pair of professional eyes scanning through it. So I felt confident by the time my story released that I had a solid story and that I wasn't going to in any way embarrass myself. But that being said, I opened my book and I'm reading through it now and I still found four or five mistakes that I'm going to change for the soft cover. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, <know>. it happens. <laughs> it happens. Where can we find your book? All right. So I have it on Barnes and Nobles and Amazon. It's in EPUB and hardback. If you wait a couple months, it will be out on Audible. I'm getting it, it dictated at the moment. Is that dictated? Is that the word? I have an actress friend who's going to be reading it for me. I'm not narrating it myself. And then I also will have uh, the soft cover released as well, the paperback cover with a, a new um, art on the front. That's exciting. I mean, the cover process for me, I don't know how it's been for you, but um, the cover is another tricky one. It's like, you got to capture your, and maybe with your photography backgrounds, this makes it a little bit less of a challenge, but uh, you know, you're capturing your entire book in an image. Right. You're telling, is this book for a 40 year old woman is this book for a, a 15 year old boy everything is we do judge a book by its cover no oh, matter yeah. how much we say don't of course we do we are a very visual species and that's how it works and i have actually photographed or my work has been used in many covers i have a bookshelf full of books that have my photographs on them but i this is the first time writing a book so for the very first one I did my own, there's like a blood ring. It looks like someone laid down a, a glass on the book and it's in blood. And I did that because I wanted to be part of, you know, <laughs> I wanted to claim it because I'm a photographer. I needed to have a little bit of myself on that cover. I love it. Your reviews for this book have been great up to this point, which is congratulations. I mean, it's got five stars uh on Barnes and Noble what has that been like for you are were you um I mean it's exciting but how do you handle the review process if you're seeing a review what what feelings come up what thoughts come up I'm very good at receiving criticism and I'm surprised I haven't received more so it's been really nice but you know when the shoe drops and it will someone will read it someone won't like it I don't take that as 
personal. I don't take good things very personally and I don't take bad things very personally. It because there's truth in both of them. And I absorb them and I say, hmm, yes, what is true of this? And then I let it go. And it's been really nice to have it be positive as of right now, but I'm sure, I'm sure as soon as somebody writes something heinous, I'll have <laughs> I'll have my moment of tantrum, but it'll be behind closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let it be behind. I mean, I think those moments are important, right? We can choose if we want to, um, how we want to perceive it, right? Because we can take it as uh, negative and never want to write again, or we can use it as fuel to to better our craft and just keep practicing and refining. Well, tell um, me, what do you think of Thin Mint? The Girl Scout cookies? Mm-hmm. Um, I, eh. Girl, I hate them. <laughs> I hate them. It's like brushing your teeth with chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> You're not. Okay, I could see that. <laughs> now, don't be hating me here, people. But you know what I'm saying? I'm saying we have different tastes. There's different flavors out there in the world. And just because I hate them, it doesn't mean that they don't sell a million of them every year. Yes, you, you, very true. You know, not every book is for every person. Not every movie is for every person. There you go. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to step out on a limb here. Um, I am not at the most remotely interested in watching a Star Wars movie. I'm sorry, people don't hate me, <laughs> but my heart. Oh. <laughs> um, I I understand how they have impacted um, cinema culture. Like I get it. I think it's cool, but I am not. It's just not my cup of tea. Like sorry. So yes, I am 100%. I agree. Like not every story is for every person. Um, and there's and different sure flavors. Somebody, right. Somebody's going to buy my book and be like, ew, it's a thin mint. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I love the overall messaging that you bring with the book, though. It's about kind of rewriting your narrative. You get to choose the story you're telling uh, of your life. And and it doesn't have to be all bad. Like we're going to hit storms in our lives, but um, we can make it as fun or as miserable as we want. Yeah, Emma is very relatable. And I think that's been some of the positive reviews from it. The readers have been able to relate to her and really feel her on a personal level. How much of you do you find in your character? Oh, well, I'm a sponge, I guess. And for the last 40 years, I've been soaking up experiences and emotions and rejections. And I, I suppose I gave myself a squeeze and, and many of my juices and grease came out into this story as well, but not all of it. I've, I've also, I've also, you know, soaked up other people's experiences. And just because I haven't lived through them personally, doesn't mean that I can't, uh, feel how that might have felt like there's a near drowning scene that happens in the story and I've never almost drowned in a freezing cold ocean but my neighbor almost drowned this summer in a lake in Georgia and when he was he was on uh, like a little thing being drugged behind a boat and he fell off and he hit the water at an angle where it hit his back and neck and he became paralyzed and he 
didn't know if he was if he was sinking or floating, but he couldn't move his arms and legs to get to the surface. Oh my gosh. His girlfriend actually had to jump in and save him. Well, I was like, uh huh, tell me more, because that is all in the book. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. he's okay, thank goodness. But yeah. because he told me that experience, then that made me curious about well, what it is, what does it feel like to drown? What does it feel like to inhale salt water? And you know, you can find all this stuff online. So people tell their stories pretty freely and, and it, it became part of Emma's story. Um, do you think that cure, did it expand your curiosity? I'll ask it that way. Like um, the more detail you were going into through your story, did you find yourself kind of going down certain rabbit holes of like, I need to explore this in further detail? And what was that like? Oh, sure. I learned, for instance, that a Viking's favorite weapon isn't an axe. It's a rock. They enjoyed, they would always scan the ground and look for rocks to throw at their enemies because that was, and you think about it, how hard would it have been to make an axe back then? A rock would have been a way more practical weapon, but I didn't even use that in my story, but it was just one of those things that I found really interesting while studying Vikings and pronunciations. I have a, a lock that I speak of in here that's in Scotland. And because of social media, I was able to go online into a group where the locals lived. And I said, hey, <laughs> hi, how do you pronounce your lock locally? How do you say it? And somebody sent me a voice recording so that I would know how it was pronounced properly by the locals, not how Google wrote it or said it, but how the real people of the area you know, describe their lock. And so that'll be in the audiobook then as a homage to authenticity. <laughs> that's awesome. I think um, that's another, you know, great call out of the power of social media. <laughs> we have the ability to just kind of hop on and we can find someone who's willing to jump in and help. I think it's great that you took the time to do the research to make sure that it was authentic, though. I try. I try to make my fantasy as realistic as possible. <laughs> so how excited are you for the audiobook? I mean, I, I think that that's, I, I've not gone down that road yet for my books. Um, tell us how that process is unfolding. I have an actress friend or actor friend named Kate Daly, who has the setup and the microphone and everything. And Kate is going to start recording it any day now. And so uh, it's basically, she'll send me 15 minutes of her narrating it and then I approve it or make notes and then we continue on through the story. Are you nervous to hear it come to life? Are you excited? Like what, what are you thinking as you're going through it? Oh, she's going to rock it. I know she's going to do such a good job. She did a book trailer for me already. So you can listen to her voice if you look up the book trailer. And I mean, she took one line in my book and turned it into the most compelling 45 seconds. <laughs> That's just completely chilling. So I know she's, I know she's going to just make it better than I myself can even anticipate. That's amazing. I'm, I'm excited to hear. I can't wait. When is that dropping? Do you think again? It'll be done before beach season. I promise. Oh, a good beach read or listen. Mm. <laughs> as yes. you will. As it is an, on an island in the French Polynesia to begin with. So why not, why not soak up a little bit of sun and listen to the immortal? I'm going to think about that scenery right now as I'm, you know, we're freezing in Scranton right now. 
Yeah. <laughs> I need a little warmth. It's like negative. It's been so cold. Um, negative, you know, temperatures, and I, I could use Polynesian sunshine. Um, all good things. Even even if Vikings are trying to kill you. <laughs> hey, I'll have to run, and that will just make me even warmer. So. <laughs> um what's next for you do you think you're gonna write another book do you think is it one and done like what what's going on next for you i know you have the audio book but you know story-wise originally i said to my husband it was one and done writing it was immensely fun editing it and re-editing it and re-editing it made me want to scream it wasn't fun the marketing of it not fun at all once you've written your your first draft then everything becomes work and so i said this is my one and done and i'm not doing it again and he just kind of looked at me and said yeah right and walked off <laughs> <laughs> and not even not even a week later i said what if what if there was like a a demon who was stuck in this dimension and what if, oh, what if there was a girl born with a shadow, but it was magical? And he's like, mm -hmm, go write it down. <laughs> <laughs> you never know when you're going to, that idea is going to surface and continue to uh, develop. Right. It was like something in my brain needed me to keep going. So I'm writing Vela's on Kindle Vela at the moment. And the Immortal is on there as well. I published it first on Kindle Vela. And I use some of the bonus money to then help for the editing costs. And nice. uh, now, yeah, I've written Lily and Lily and all of the stories are kind of like, they all connect, the characters all meet up. So it's like Anne Rice or, you know, Marvel or whatever. It's, it's, they are their individual standalone stories, but the characters meet up. Nice. You have like the immortal universe going on. Right, exactly. Yeah, just kind of like it. branches. It's like a tree, and the roots and the the fruit they drop, but then they grow another tree. But they're all you know somewhat connected and mangled together. I think that um, it's important just to go back on something you said about not wanting to go through that editing process and, and it being such a um, a challenge there's something to be said about having that partnership along the way and finding the right fit, um, you know, for someone who gets your mission and, and can not, not just do the job of editing, but can edit your story, you know? Right. Um, and so I just want to, for anybody who's publishing right now and going through this process, just to call out, like, make sure you you do your due diligence, vet the person reading your story. Um, make Ask sure. for a sample. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Because that'll tell you right there, the first thousand words will tell you if this is the person you want to edit your book or not. Yeah, and like, have a conversation with them, if, po you know, as much mm -hmm. as possible. Like, I, I think it's, um, you're going to be working with them for, a good couple of weeks if not months and make sure it's someone you like to work with <laughs> but who can really understand not just the words but the energy and the the feeling you want to give your readers like they're they're on board with you you know you're gonna they're gonna be part of your life for a while so make it a good partnership right um so again just remind us you know 
where can we find you? You know, are you, are our readers able to connect with you? Oh yeah. I'm pretty social. I'm on Facebook and TikTok, but my TikTok's kind of lame. You know, I'm a 40 year old woman. <laughs> I'm not so hip with your. <laughs> I give you props. I, so, okay. I'm going to be 43 uh, in a little over a month. I've not gotten on TikTok. I, I don't know if I'm afraid of it. I don't know what I would do on TikTok. So I'm, you know, I'm like, yay. Good for you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Um, so, okay. TikTok, our Instagram and Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Instagram is Eva Creel photography because I'm a photographer way before I was an author and I just don't know how to start a new profile. <laughs> oh, I will send you instructions. In my reading group, I've kind of noticed with photography wise, uh, Instagram tends to be a younger following and Facebook tends to be an older following. In my book, the the person who I'm really marketing to are women over the age of 30. Mm -hmm. So I'm just don't know how much time I want to invest in Instagram. I do cross over and post things on my photography page. And then my photography clients are like, Oh, you wrote a book. How weird. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's what another happens? important call out though. Like it, it's especially if you're self-publishing, right, you're responsible for all that marketing, make right. sure you really know who are you, who's your book supposed to talk to? Because you're right. Not every social platform is for everybody. Um, and, and it's do the research ahead of time. So, you know, where you have the best chance of finding your people. Yeah. I think the only reason I'm on TikTok is because of authors of TikTok and book talk. So you find a lot of authors on there and I just kind of go down rabbit holes and watch videos of what other people are doing. And it's very entertaining. And yeah. And also you can find me in my local Barnes and Nobles if you're by Augusta, Georgia, or you can order on barnesandnobles.com as well. So the book is, as you said in the beginning, it's, it's more of a mature content. Um, right. Was anything... A, a challenge for you in terms of getting that out you know if we're talking about you know the the you know the sex part or the drugs part you know that or the the I don't want to say gory but um, the murder was way easier to write than this smut Girl, really is repressed or something I'm such a fruit I'm like I can't write this because it's in first person and I was getting all awkward and blushy and I thought I have to use my initials I can't use my full name on this <laughs> in this book ah! <laughs> how did you push through that well I um and the women's group you know I said oh I, I broke my my smut cherry I wrote my first sex scene and they were just <laughs> laughing at me they were like oh yeah wait till you get into the you know the um, what is it like uh, when you when you the kinky stuff the fetishes and things you know like, <laughs> you know bless your heart kind of thing. <laughs> did you ever you know stop to worry like what's my mom gonna think if she reads this book like was so, that all right that is funny that you brought that up because my mom said it's an adult book and I said yeah she's like you know it's gonna have to have sex in it and I said <laughs> okay I'll put some sex in it and you know then now she won't read it oh Really? Read it. Mm -hmm. She says, I just imagine it's you. I know it's Emma, but it's in first person and I know you wrote it. So when I read it, I imagine it's you and I just can't do it. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Does that offend you? Or are you like, like, 
has that caused conflict or like are you a like a little okay. bit yeah you know, because it's a really good story and I kind of feel like she's trying to find excuses not to read it but I guess it's just typical of her but like you know thin mints there you go there I you go a, I have a critic it's my mother <laughs> Yeah, I, I can imagine. I don't know that I would want to have that conversation. Like if she had, if my mom had feedback about a scene like that I wrote like that, I don't know that I, it might be awkward. Like I'm thinking, yeah. I don't know. Um, she just doesn't want to go there mentally. And I have to respect that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what have you learned from the process of, of getting that content out? Like, has it opened up? for future work you know more possibilities like are you do you feel like you're more comfortable writing in the the mature kind of realm at this point oh I kind of feel I feel like I can swim now mm -hmm. I don't think it's 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 so bothersome anymore it's just it's like eating insects you have to get over the you factor and then once you do it you realize mm, it's a little crunchy and tastes nutty and it's not a big deal anymore but you just gotta eat the first one and then you're okay I think what I love the most about it though is that you were not um shying away from stretching yourself and you were allowing it to be part of the story even though you were uncomfortable in the process of getting it on the page. Right, but it did make sense. And it has to be there for, for it to make a, the conclusion that it came to. It was all very important to the story. It wasn't just, you know, some, it, it, it was, and, and, and as a woman, I'm writing for women. And I noticed this in photography as well. I, if, I can tell by a picture if it was taken by a man most of the time. People are going to give me guff about this, but I can't. And a woman through a man's eye is sexual. And I think a woman through a woman's eye is beautiful. Ooh, that's a good call out. It's different. And this wasn't about sexuality. This was about strength and, and owning oneself and beauty. All right. I love that. We're going to end with that. That I just, mm, I have chills. Me too. Um, <laughs> and not because I'm sitting in my cold car. <laughs> right, right. Um, all right. So the immortal is available guys on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, we're going to look for the audio book coming up in a couple of months. Um, Eva, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, Elizabeth, it was my pleasure. Let's talk again. Yeah. Oh, please let me know as things start to unfold um, with the next book. Um, it, the audio when they book. make it a movie, because I live in Yollywood, <laughs> you'll have to come down and get warm. And yes, <laughs> actually, I was thinking. <laughs> I've been thinking about that. This this should be a movie. Um, and and when that happens, please keep me posted. Absolutely. Uh, I am so excited for you again, guys. The reviews are great. This book is. Uh, don't miss it. And, and we'll look forward to the next next saga in the journey um, from Eva. Guys, we're going to end today's episode like we do every one. You are never stuck. You are never lost. And you are never alone. At any given moment, you can use your power to pivot, make a new choice, and start again. I will talk with everybody on the next episode. Eva, thanks again. Take care. Mwah. Thank you, Elizabeth.
Hey guys, it's Liz here from March 4th Media Company, and the biggest lesson that I have ever learned is that at any given moment, you can always choose again. And trust me, I learned this lesson the hard way, and I'm inviting you in to join me in my book, This Is Where You Pivot, The Shift From Fear to Freedom, as I'm sharing with you how I arrived at this lesson. I'm opening up about my life, overcoming a toxic and abusive marriage, navigating years of career, health, and family issues that kept me feeling so stuck, lost, and alone, sharing stories through my own trauma that kept me paralyzed in fear for so long. And most importantly, I'm going to show you how I found a way out. You too can find the strength within you to overcome any obstacle in your life. So head on over to amazon.com or find it on thisiswhereyoupivot.com today and order your copy of This Is Where You Pivot, The Shift From Fear to Freedom. Remember, you are never stuck, you are never lost, and you are never alone. At any given moment, you can use your power to pivot, make a new choice, and start again. Thank you so much to Eva Creel for joining me today on the show. And thanks to all of you for listening in. Make sure to stop on over at Amazon.com and order your copy of The Immortal. And be sure to hop on over to thisiswhereyoupivot.com. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, you are never stuck. You are never lost. And you are never alone. At any given moment, you can use your power to pivot make a new choice, and put yourself on an entirely new path. And that's the message of March 4th Media Company. Guys, I cannot wait to hear from you. Where are you pivoting in your life today?